Hello and welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with me, Delia Delore. If you've not heard the show before, welcome. Get ready to learn with us as we dissect popular mottos, mantras and metaphors. We trace their origins and find how they translate to everyday life. Each week we have a special guest who resonates with their chosen expression. This week's expression really has made me think about the different ways that we can create little bits of heaven right here on earth. It was chosen by our guest, Michael Vincent. He is a three-time winner of the Magic Circle's Close-Up Magician of the Year Award. He began his career in 1980 and continues to be a pioneer and inspiration in the magic scene. Today's episode, we will discuss the popular idiom, a little piece of heaven on earth. Did you guess it from my intro? This world is such a contrast to that general idea of heaven, so we yearn for just a small piece of it. Life can be really difficult, so any sort of relief we get can be honoured as a paradise to us at times. In this current cost of living crisis, I can think of plenty of times when someone could use a literal piece of heaven on earth. Here's one. In the Bible, it says that heaven's streets are paved with gold. There are times we might look at our bank accounts and it would be really great if at that moment we could just go outside and dig out a piece of gold from the streets. I know, I'm just forward thinking and no, it will never happen. One of the things that phrase makes me think about is having quality time with a loved one. Heaven and earth can be and is usually something that is personified One of the most annoying situations is spending time with someone who means a lot to you. And when it's time for one of you to leave, it feels like time has gone 10 times faster. You know that feeling? You know that your time with them, in a way, it's just felt like heaven. Why? Because there's a feeling of nothing else mattering. All your problems seem to disperse. It's like your brain is resting. And that's one of the best feelings you can have. You could be with a romantic partner and the two of you could be in the most unromantic place. But the fact that you're with each other for that period of time, there's a feeling of euphoria. Nothing else matters. Just the fact that you're together means everything else is okay. It's that feeling of contentment and peace that makes that particular moment feel like heaven. Have you ever been on the tube or walking down the street and seeing a couple all over each other, full-on PDA without a care in the world? Now, after the initial thought of, guys, go and get a room, when you put yourself in their shoes, to them, it must feel like heaven. To them, they're in that room, and it's only the two of them there. It's their own world, and you're all just living in it. As with practically everything in life, the idea of a heavenly utopia is completely subjective. Whether religious or not, we all have some idea of what the perfect day would look like and the types of things we do during that day. For example, a little piece of heaven on earth could be seeing Arsenal Football Club lift the Champions League live in the stadium.
Now, if you ask a Tottenham fan, that sounds like a little piece of hell on earth. It's all relative. One of the key components of deciphering what could be a piece of heaven on earth can make the word scenery come to mind. A relaxing sunset, a summer breeze swaying the bright green grass, looking over the landscape on top of a mountain. Things of that nature all sound brilliant to some. However, if you'd ask our Arsenal fan, who is one of our team writers, about all of the above, that doesn't sound too pleasant to them. They currently attend university in Northampton and, as a London city person, one of the best disparities they faced was the quietness of Northampton compared to London. It had the missing the chaos of the London rush hour, where Londoners throw a fit when the next tube isn't coming literally 30 seconds after the previous one. The next train to Stratford will arrive in two minutes. In Northampton, you can expect to wait up to 30 minutes if you miss a train or any mode of transport. The hustle and bustle of London was a heavenly memory for them. Life is difficult. There are so many different problems that go on in our personal lives, some of which we don't even choose to bring to the surface. Even on a wider scale, with the terrible things that go on in the world that happen on a daily basis. I alluded to it before, but I believe everyone is looking for that piece of solace. And that often is heaven to us, because it's so opposing to the difficulties of life we're so used to suffering with. If you're of a certain age, we all go to work. Some of us love it and others don't. But what we can't deny is it's something we have to do. For some of us, work looks like long hours of pure labour, minimal breaks and a long journey back home. It's draining. For a person living like that, I'd assume heaven comes in the form of time to themselves. Putting their feet up, indulging in hobbies, anything opposing to work that gives them tranquility. For an army soldier who is away from their families for an extended period of time, I'd assume heaven for them is that short but beautiful time they have with their families when they return safely. It's heaven on earth because it's an eventual high in their life after the lows they were troubled with prior. Our writer has a story about how, when they were younger, they went to a friend's birthday. Now, they stress that they understand that people won't believe them on this, but they are adamant that this happened. It was a boring birthday party because they didn't know anyone. And funnily enough, a magician was the entertainment and they were chosen to be a part of that classic disappearing act. They were put in a box and no word of a lie, according to them, they genuinely felt that they were teleported to a place similar to space for a couple of seconds. Not even enough time to panic. They were back in the boring party they were hating. But because they were so happy to be back from that place of uncertainty, it turned into the best party ever. Because this shocking new circumstance changed their perspective on the things they found boring prior. 
and being back on earth felt like heaven to them because they were back in familiar surroundings. The point is, when the perspective changes, places and circumstances which you formerly dreaded can be turned into this heavenly bliss you never thought you had. It's almost magical the way it happens. Our guest, Michael Vincent, is a figurehead in the magician community and is an inspiration for underrepresented groups in that particular field. Since the beginning of his career in 1980, He's appeared on numerous television shows such as Testination and Heroes of Magic. Michael, thank you so much for being a guest once again. Thank you. On Metaphorically Speaking. I'm very happy to see you again. Very nice. I wanted to talk to you because I wanted to know what has happened since the last time we spoke, now that we're in a new year. But of course, let's start first with your chosen metaphor, which perhaps might explain some of the things that have happened to you right. uh, over the last year. So you've chosen creating a little piece of heaven on earth that adds joy to my life. Right. What's that all about? When we last spoke, I think you were aware that my mother just passed away and I was a carer for three years. I gave up my career to look after her. And uh, I think it's the best thing I've ever done with my life. And I reconcile that no matter what kind of success or achievements I make moving forward in my life, nothing will ever match that as a human experience for me to give up everything that I love and to care for the woman that once cared for me as a baby. And with each passing day, I saw my mother wither into that state of childlikeness where you're fully reliant and dependent on another human being to cook, clean and care for you. And I did everything. You're a parent yourself. So you understand what it means to love and care for someone. And that experience brought me into direct contact with the true nature of what love is, truly is. And I'm going to make sure I declare this because for your listeners, I want them to become fully aware that love is not a chemical reaction in the body. Love is a choice. Love literally means to behave in a specific manner towards something that means something to you. And you're willing to be unreasonable with yourself in order to fulfill on that objective. Unreasonable in the face of no agreement, no support, no friendship, nothing. It's you against a massive opposition. And the act of love in that moment defines everything you know about what you think love is. And I've seen it. I've experienced it. I looked into my mother's eyes. She looked into mine and I saw her life slowly ebbing away. But she knew I would be there for her. And I was right until she took her last breath when I held her hand. I did not experience the depth of emotion most people would feel losing a loved one. For me, it was the long goodbye. Three years. So when she left, I thought, wow. What a mystery. Life. God, my butterfly, my mom, the spirit is free of this withering body. And uh, something interesting showed up throughout this whole year. For some strange reason, my left eye has been weeping nonstop. Tears just from this eye. I thought, wow, is this a residual source of pain and upset? Maybe. I didn't want to put a label to it. I just let it come out. Creating a little piece of heaven on earth is a context I created for myself because I'm now in a world where I have no family. 
it's just me. My mother's family, they're wherever they are around the world. But me for me, who am I for me? Who am I for Michael Vincent Louis? Who am I? I thought, wow, I had, dearly, I had no idea who I am. So I thought I could easily distract myself from this psychodrama that I'm going through. I thought, no, make friends with the emptiness. Make friends with this space of nothing that is now my life. I'm on my own. I'm by myself. What does that mean? Make friends with it. Okay. Get up every morning, brush your teeth, make your breakfast, cook, clean, practice, edit my photos, do some writing, stop when I feel like it, go for a walk, photograph the squirrels, spend time in nature. I did that for the whole year. I then had to rediscover what does my career mean to me because I hadn't worked for three years. My finances dropped considerably and I really needed to discover what is the context for my life. So the label that I gave you finding a little piece of heaven on earth is another way of saying I need a new context for my life. Just I me. listen to you and I think you know as well that my mom is in a situation, a similar situation to your mom, although my mother hasn't passed. And your mom had not passed the last time we spoke. So that's kind of fresh for me, everything that you've said. And one of the words that you used earlier, you spoke about the definition of love and somehow the word unreasonable came up. I thought to myself, if you, you love so much that even reason doesn't even matter, even if it feels unreasonable, it could be another type of stress. And don't get me the wrong way, but when something is unreasonable, it causes stress. And yet, because your love was so strong for your mom, it was the be all and end all of both your lives. Yeah. And when you choose creating a little piece of heaven on earth that is known to, you know, to many of us, and then you add your own piece to it. And Michael added, that adds joy to my life. How can adding joy to your life be part of that metaphor when you see someone you love withering away? When my mother passed away? this year, I started to have these conversations with myself and I thought, what context, what am I going to create? Because I didn't feel the joy for anything in this moment while I was having this conversation. And uh, out of the blue, a friend of mine from the Magic Circle said, Michael, can you come and give a talk for us tonight? I said, I haven't been in front of an audience for three years. I'm not sure how I'm going to be about it because who I was does not exist anymore. If I step out on stage, I'm not going to pretend to be the great magician. I'm coming on stage as a man that's just lost his mother. He said, listen, that's good enough for us because we're having this big drive of diversity and inclusion right now. And given the fact that you've just lost your mom and how does your magic fit into that realm now, I think it would be an interesting conversation. I said, okay, well, I hope the members won't find it boring because, you know me, I'm going to tell the truth. Okay, fine. So I, first time in three years, I walk out on stage at the Magic Circle. There's the membership, big theater. 
And I just said, good evening. I said, tonight is not a lecture as you understand it, where I do tricks and explain it. I don't do that anymore. In fact, I don't, I'm not quite sure what I do as a magician, to be honest, because as many of you know, I've become a professional carer. I looked after my mother for three years. And in the three years, I had to stop the very thing that I loved the most, which was practicing and performing magic. However, I decided to come and speak tonight because something very interesting showed up for me, which really saved my mental health. One day while mum was sleeping, I was just sat in the front room doing nothing. And my hand just reached out onto the desk and picked up a deck of cards. And I just started shuffling. I wasn't really thinking about anything specific. I was just doing my exercises for my hands. And then I put the cards down and made a cup of tea. And then I realized what I just did because I wasn't conscious of it. And from that moment on, every day, I'd pick the cards up and shuffle. And out of the chaos of a shuffle deck, I began to rebuild my life into some semblance of order. And I said to the magicians, my favorite routine in magic is called triumph. And as you know, triumph is all about bringing order to chaos. So in the chaos of sadness, I realized that chaos is normal. It's just our duty as human beings to try and bring order to the very thing that we try to make sense of, where in actual fact, the universe is constantly chaotic. I then talked about some of the things that I brought my attention to, re-engineering some routines, looking at my repertoire, what kind of magician do I want to be if I choose to go back because I wasn't being employed. I was teaching. I kept my students healthy. That's the one thing that kept me engaged with people, sharing, teaching, making a difference to others. So right there, I wasn't thinking about myself and my sadness. I was supporting my students. And these are students that don't live in the UK. They live in Europe, in the United States. Thank heavens for Zoom. As I'm speaking now, I can, I can see that just focusing on others was the beginning of my rehabilitation, psychological and emotional. Make sense? So let's work backwards. This year, I've looked at a number of people that reached out to me to support me. I acknowledge them. One of my friends invited me to Poland to come and to give a lecture and presentation and a public show. Another friend invited me to Amsterdam. I've just come back from my second trip, lecturing, performing, teaching. And slowly but surely, I could see where my purpose lied, redefining what it means to be a magician for myself and others. I've been performing again at the Magic Circle for the public. And the magician that I am today did not exist two years ago. I would say that out of my sadness, I've come face to face with my own humanity and the impermanence of life itself. So creating a little piece of heaven on earth slash context. My context now is about serving others and my community of magicians through my academy. When I perform in front of an audience, it's to amaze them. Yes. But I want people to leave my show with their entire point of view of reality completely altered forever. What does that look like? Well, they've had an experience in my company where it doesn't match the way they've come from, the life they've lived. They've seen amazing things. They've laughed at things. 
They've engaged in a conversation with me that really challenged their point of view about the world they live in. And at the same time, they were laughing and they were astounded. Now, that's quite a conversation. You must come see the show. You'll understand when you see it. Definitely accept that invitation. I would love to see you in action. I've seen you online, but it's nothing. There's nothing better than actually. That's the being whole there. point. Because here's here's the interesting thing. I'm a black magician entertaining predominantly white audiences. So right there, the audience has to deal with the fact that my God, black magician, I've never seen one before. Well, he looks good. He speaks well. He's funny, actually. My God, how did he do that? Gee whiz, this guy's quite good, actually. This is the narrative going on in people's mind. I accept it because it's there. You can't move beyond a situation and create a little piece of heaven until you fully engage with the way things actually are. You can't pretend otherwise. Okay, this is what I'm dealing with. How am I going to alter it? Who do I need to become to alter this space? I need to become unreasonable and extraordinary. There's that word again. Most people associate the word unreasonable with being negative. No, it means taking a stand. It means taking a stand for something greater than yourself. I see it differently. I, I see where you're coming from. But when I think of unreasonable, I just think of it as being stressed, if, especially if it's something that you love and they're being unreasonable or the situation is unreasonable. As much as you love them, it still well, stresses you I'd out. I'd like you to try and consider something for a moment, okay, Delia? Consider the possibility that the way we normally react to certain words, certain metaphors is part of a cultural conditioning. I can accept that. Right. Especially right. Metaphors. When you hear the word vulnerability, what, how do you feel about that word? The first thought for me is... What about you support. when you feel vulnerable? What does that mean? When I feel vulnerable... I think because of everything that's happened around me, I don't let it. It's a passing. It's a passing thing. Are you willing to consider something? It's just a different point of view. Vulnerability Mm -hmm. is not a weakness. It's an alert signal within the body. And it's there to arm us that, hey, my goodness, I'm feeling sensitive right now about something. What is that? This is a time to get excited because guess what? You begin to inquire and investigate. Why am I feeling so raw and vulnerable? What am I afraid of? This person has said something to you that makes me want to close up and not share. No, this is the time to be courageous and be truthful and honest. In that moment, when you can do this, the other person can now see who you really are. We live in a world now where people don't do this. We do this. We contract rather than expand. Me, I'm all about expansion. And guess what? You ask me a straight question, I'm telling you the truth. It doesn't matter to me if somebody doesn't like what I've said. I can tell you one thing. Once the truth has been spoken, it cleans and sanitizes the space. We now have a clean, fertile landscape where we can have an authentic conversation and create something that didn't previously exist. You can't create anything new on top of a lie. It's icing on top of a mud pie. Well, Michael, I can speak to you all day. I understand exactly where you're coming from. And when you were talking, I was thinking, 
it's not very often that I would be vulnerable. Vulnerable may not, not be the kind of the best word to give me to try and explain. The word for me is stressed. I'm more stressed than anything else. And I find in getting older, the way that I view things and the way that I deal with things is different. So it's not a vulnerability. I think stress is a, a completely different thing. And it's just kind of saying to, to me, love you more. And you know, I think it's another thing that a lot of us say, when I was younger, I could do this. When I was younger, there are certain things that we cannot control in our bodies and we just cannot control it. So I think for, for me, the word is stress more than vulnerable. But everything that you've said in the context that you've put it, and even out of context, I, I can agree with you. I really can. But a time has come <laughs> and um, to go. Let's put a lid on this so we, we top and tail it nicely. Creating a little bit of heaven on earth. All that means is, for me, I've got this little corner of the world where I live. In here, in my heart, my physical space. How can I transform this environment into heaven? Well, for one, tidy up create an environment that's conducive for a very peaceful and harmonious way to live my life. Because anybody that I invite into my home, they must add to my heaven, not subtract. That's just one tiny example of what it looks like when I say create heaven on earth. So anybody that comes into my world, guess what? They won't want to leave because they, <laughs> they experience peace. That sounds great. Well, Michael, all the best and i can't wait to see you performing live let's make that a date well it's only a few weeks so we've got it scheduled i'm looking forward to it okay we'll have a, <laughs> okay. We'll have a great afternoon all right all right then oh Thank you. don't forget i'll have my camera ready because keep that smile warm for me okay that's <laughs> <laughs> just for you we'll do A good Monday can really set the tone for the rest of your week. Mondays are usually a day people dread, and I get it to an extent, but imagine starting your week off with a good Monday. It really does help you to approach the rest of the week with positivity. So the next time the Monday morning alarm sounds, and you're raising a fist to slam that snooze button, whilst that fist is in the air, why don't you turn it into a polite tap with the index finger and kill the Monday monster with kindness? Easier said than done, of course. I'm downplaying just how annoying that sound is. It's so obnoxious sometimes. Maybe changing the alarm to something that sounds nice would be a good solution to this. Maybe that annoying sound is what usually kicks off an annoying day. Think about it. Maybe it's time to change it to something pleasant. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Taking it to a religious point of view. The book of Matthew in the Bible speaks that the real heaven, the long-lasting heaven, the eternal heaven, can't be obtained fully on earth. Funnily enough, this phrase strongly alludes to that point also, where bringing a little piece of something that's not on earth 
onto the earth. The verse says this because the treasures you store up on this side of eternity, such as money, fame, and all the common desires that we long for on a daily basis, can easily be lost. Thieves can easily take your belongings, fame can quickly run out, life can quickly go left, and then you have nothing because you spent all your time chasing futile things. I think the point of this passage is that there's more value in storing up eternal treasures as opposed to earthly treasures because they cannot be taken away from you. It is with you forever. Whereas on earth, we're here for such a small amount of time, we shouldn't spend it chasing these things so much. Whether you're Christian or not, this verse can probably resonate with everyone. The storing of material things is a pointless task in the grand scheme of things. It would be much better to garner treasures for heaven. Heaven is what you want to make it. And whether you're spending time with a loved one, partaking in a hobby or learning a new skill, we can all be in agreement that this is much more fulfilling than chasing material treasures. We should all find our heaven and invest time in it because it will enable us to experience it more often than not. And dream of paradise. He's got it spot on. We all dream of para, para, paradise. It's a form of coping. Taking it back to Christianity, you may have heard stories of people who lost close family and on the day someone in their family passed, they were in tatters. But suddenly they find it easier to deal with the loss because they believe the person has gone to a better place where there's no pain or suffering again. They believe their loved one has gone to heaven and this can really alter a person's mood. And despite the difficult circumstances they're faced with, they're still able to smile in the midst of the hard time. If heaven on earth suggests that it is only a temporary feeling of happiness and serenity, does that mean that when we don't have that little piece of heaven on earth, we just have hell on earth? That's what the phrase suggests, without the small respite of heaven on earth, our regular livelihood is worse off. As we've said before, there's so many difficult things that happen in our daily lives that if we zoom out for a second and realize how many small blessings occur in our lives, perhaps we could see every minute of every day as heaven on earth. We hear all sorts of terrible stories about people who go out and never make it back home. Isn't it then such a blessing every time we step out the house and step back in again? It's something that we may often just expect to happen and not think about, but it's definitely not a guarantee. This is something we could perhaps think about to make us happy and grateful. All the same feelings we've spoken about receiving from our piece of heaven can be experienced when we understand the small blessings in our lives and turn them into big ones. Another example is waking up out of sleep. When you think about it, sleep is such a weird thing. You close your eyes and go into this prolonged state of nothingness and you wake up as energized as if you've fast forwarded to a later time. 
and it makes you think, what actually made you wake up? For some, they don't wake up, and there can be no real explanation why. It's almost random, yet sometimes that can be taken for granted by us when, again, it's not a guarantee. We should see waking up as another opportunity to make a difference in our lives, another chance to change our lives for the better in whatever way is appropriate for us. And when we do wake up, we should be just thankful for the small act of rising out of our slumber. It can set a great tone for the rest of our day. Everything about us changes from our interests to our experiences. That includes our perception of what heaven is. The same experience that felt like heaven to us when we were young is not the same one we feel as we get older, as the responsibilities in our lives change and our utopia changes accordingly. For example, for a kid or a preteen, heaven on earth could be every time they hear their friends asking for them to come out to play or when they reach a new level on a video game. For kids, this is heaven. It's all about, it's all they want. But as they grow older, heaven becomes something completely different. For adults, heaven could certainly be a brand new fridge in your kitchen. That's a fantastic feeling. Or when they receive a tax refund. Yep, <laughs> another indescribable feeling. The point is, as we grow older, depending on how hard life hits us, our idea of heaven keeps evolving and changes with us. For all the people who struggle because their heaven isn't as they would like, they may look at other people's heaven and long for that version. To them I would say to coin another phrase, comparison is the thief of joy. Heaven is different for all, but even if you aren't satisfied with how your heaven looks, as your life changes, so can your utopia. As with anything, we just have to wait it out and things can change in an instant. The feeling you get from having your heaven on earth makes people feel good and this spreads like wildfire. It's as though happiness is contagious, which means everyone can share their heavenly experience with you. Happiness in itself is such a contemporary feeling and this coincides with a general idea behind heaven on earth. It's not something that lasts very long, so we cherish it whenever it comes around. But happiness is a contagion. I'm sure of it. Have you ever walked past an older person and they smile at you and it's like your lip muscles automatically form a smile just to reciprocate the energy they gave you? Or when a close family receives good news and it feels like you've just received it yourself? This gives us more incentive to achieve that heaven, so it makes the people we care about share our joy. You know, thinking about this metaphor has made me look at what could be the flip side of it. I've heard many times people say that living on earth is hell, and I've also heard that earth is heaven. And it made me think, well, I certainly don't want to go to hell if the breath that I'm taking now is heaven. 
It's also made me feel that Jesus Christ and religion is the only way to heaven. A professor of chemistry on Quora puts it this way, If you are a non-believer, then earth is as close to heaven as you will ever get. If you are a believer, then earth is as close to hell as you will ever get. And this brings me to Michael Jackson's Earth Song. His lyrics throughout the song describe the dire situation that mankind has caused, but then calls on people to remember the earth is their inheritance from God. The Wikipedia contributor believes the words, What about death again? reminds all to think about eternal death, asking people to check their hearts for repentance or to see if they really cared at all. Having disassociated himself from being a Jehovah's Witness, Jackson simplified his faith to focus on the biblical Jesus Christ until his death. Incidentally, the Earth Song was the last song that Jackson ever performed live, having rehearsed it at the Staples Center in Los Angeles on June 24, 2009, approximately 12 hours before his death. A little piece of heaven on earth is a saying we can all relate to. When we're blessed with that little piece, whatever form it comes in, we want to hold on to it for as long as we possibly can. We live on this earth for a limited time and have so many things to adjust and cope with from the time we were born. In some cases, we just can't, so we continually search for relief. The idea of the word heaven can help us cope it's something we can actively seek and make happen by incorporating a positive mindset into everything we do. And finally, it can be personified by the important people we have in our lives. My parting wish is that everyone finds their little piece of heaven on earth and we all do our best to make it last as long as it possibly can. Thank you for listening to this episode of Metaphorically Speaking. I hope you enjoyed it and hope it was thought-provoking enough for you to return. We'd love you to share the episode with your friends and families and don't hesitate to leave a review on colorful.com or on our podcast, Metaphorically Speaking, which is on Apple, Spotify and all major streaming platforms. If you'd like to suggest a metaphor for an upcoming show, you can reach us at info at metaphoricallyspeaking.uk. Join us for another metaphor next week. Until then, I'm Delia Delore. Keep safe. Goodbye.